Good morning. Imagine uh, you're at the beach. It's a beautiful sunny day, a perfect day for going to the beach. And you've got your kids with you or maybe your grandkids. You get there and it's crowded. Everybody else had the same idea. And, and the water's kind of rough that day. The lifeguard has already uh, called in, whistled in people for uh, a couple of times during the day. Um, you look up from your magazine, you've been relaxing, and you don't see your five-year-old anywhere. He, he was right there playing in the sand. His bucket is there. His pail, his shovel is there, but, but there's nowhere, he's nowhere to be seen. You, you ask your older kids, where's, where's your little brother? And they say, well, we, we haven't seen him for a while. We don't know where he is. You began to scan the beach. He's nowhere to be seen. Your mind races. Did he go off with a stranger? Did, did a wave knock him down? You've got fear. Maybe it's Sunday afternoon, you go home after church and, and you open the newspaper and you see that the company you work for is, is, is having problems. The profits are down and uh, downsizing is probably on the way. You pull into work on Monday morning and you see one of your coworkers, one of your buddies, putting his boxed up stuff into the back of his, of his car. You go to your locker, you go to your office and there's a message. Your boss wants to see you right away. Your heart sinks. You've got fear. Maybe the doctor calls you with the results from the test you had last week, routine tests, really. And you're expecting to hear what you always hear. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But the doctor says, um, I'd like to talk to you about these results in, in person. This is not good. Your heart sinks. You've got fear. We all experience fear at different times, don't we? Hopefully not all the time, but from time to time, we become fearful. Fear has been called the mother of all emotions, the most primal of all emotions. For example, take a newborn baby out of her mother's womb. What legitimate, genuine emotions can she experience at that point? Um, she can't experience guilt. She hasn't done anything yet, right? She doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. Disappointment, she has no expectations, no experience, no, no expectations to be shattered. But take that little girl and you, you move her backwards quickly away from your, from your body, just like this. Her arms fell out. Her, her eyes get wide. She gasps for air. She's afraid. Now, fear is not always a bad thing. Fear is an instinctive response to a perceived threat. When we're threatened, of course, our, our brain pumps our body full of adrenaline. And, and, and most of the time, we either flee or we fight in the situation. Fear can... can can be a protective thing. It can save our life or it can save somebody else's. But the wrong kind of fear can ruin a person's life. It can rob you of freedom. Uh, it can take away your ability to function. It can rob you of joy. Anxiety really is it's a long-term, low-grade fear, usually about things over which we have no control. Phobias are irrational fears, uh, usually attached to some sort of object or experience like snakes or spiders or or crowded places, or, or public speaking. Fear causes us to, to shrink back from promising relationships. It can cause us to bypass exciting opportunities. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of being embarrassed or getting hurt. And if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, fear can keep us from experiencing all that God has for you, and it can keep you from accomplishing his purposes for your life. You may not be experiencing a lot of fear this morning, but sooner or later, we all become afraid. So, so what do we do when we become afraid? Well, 
the Bible tells us that we are to go to God, we are to pray. But how do you pray when you're overwhelmed with anxiety, with fear? What kind of prayer can break through debilitating, persistent fear? Well, this summer we're looking at some selected psalms, and today we're looking at Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, we meet a man who has learned to overcome his fears. Now, notice I didn't say he conquered his fears, because that's not really how this psalm reads. Conquering our fears may not always happen. Sometimes our fears are are based in reality, and we should be afraid. But we can overcome our our fears through prayer, and we can function as God would have us function, and be the people God calls us to be, even in the face of of persistent fear. Now, now Psalm 27 is kind of a a difficult psalm to characterize. You know, you've heard of there's psalms of lament, and there's deprecatory psalms, and there's psalms of praise, and so on and so forth. Uh, It sounds sort of like a psalm of lament at some points. Hear my voice when I cry, O Lord. Be merciful to me. Answer me. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Sounds like a lament. You know, a cry from a place of loneliness or, or despair or depression. But in other places, it sounds like a psalm of trust. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. It's kind of a, there's a swing, there's a pendulum swing of moods here. And some people have concluded that because of that, that there's really two psalms that have been awkwardly combined. I don't think that's the case. Uh, the conclusion misses the point because in our human experience, when we're afraid and when we're scared, our hearts are conflicted. On the one hand, we know, well, I really shouldn't be afraid because I can trust in God. Whatever happens, the worst life can throw at me, I can, I'm going to be with God. On the other hand, we sometimes wake up in a cold sweat and we become obsessed with difficulties in our lives. Faithful and fearful at the same time? Well, according to this psalm, that's pretty normal. It's an honest prayer, a prayer from the heart. And like most prayers in the Psalms, Psalm 27 has movement in it. There's tension, there's there's emotion, and emotion is never static, is it? So in Psalm 27 this morning, we're going to find three sorts of such movements that will lead us from a place of fear and anxiety to courage and faith. The first is when we are afraid, we are to face our fear. That's what David does here. Verse 2. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh... When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Now, we don't know when David wrote this psalm. We don't know the circumstances uh, when he wrote this psalm. But we do see from this that he doesn't, he doesn't run, he doesn't whine, he doesn't whimper. He, he faces his fears. You know, a few years ago, one of the most popular reality shows on TV, it's been gone off TV for quite a while now, was Fear Factor. Remember Fear Factor? Contestants would compete to win $50,000 in, 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 in prize money. And they'd be asked to do all sorts of stunts, things that would make them afraid, like maybe lie in a box full of snakes crawling all over you, or, or spiders, something like that. Or, or walking across construction beams suspended 100 feet in the air, or or bobbing for apples in a bucket full of earthworms, or being closed up in a, in a tight, small, dark box. You know, it's amazing what people will do for $50,000. But the truth of the matter is, there's a safety net. The snakes aren't poisonous. When they walk across the beams, there's a harness and a rope. Earthworms are slimy, but they've never killed anybody. 
the worst thing that can happen is you could lose your lunch or your nerve in front of millions of people and embarrass yourselves, which is kind of what the producers are going for, right? But nobody's going to die. David, though, has no safety net. His danger is real. These are real soldiers, real enemies, armed to the teeth. They're out to get him, to get his throne, to get his family, to take his life. But in prayer, in Psalm 27, he identifies his dangers, he names them, and he brings them before God, which is a good thing to do. When faced with fear, we are to name our fears, bring it to God, and in the light of his word, the light of his truth, see what's real and see what's not. Because sometimes our fears are irrational and imagined. Like the time a writer was talking to a six-year-old niece and they were talking about scary things. And she said, let's play pretend. Pretend that you are surrounded by a pack of, of hungry tigers. What would you do? I said, well, I, I don't know, maybe shoot up a prayer to God or maybe I would run, but I can't outrun tigers. I, I, I don't know what I would do. What would you do? And she said, well, silly, I'd just stop pretending they were there. <laughs> That's what some of us need to do. Some of our fears are the, are the products of, of hyperactive imagination. We, we can lie in beds in the middle of our night, in the middle of the night, and, and imagine the worst case possible scenarios. We hear a siren in the distance, and we're certain it's our teenager who's not home with the car yet. That bump in the night is a homicidal maniac ransacking the house, not just the dog. We're terrified of tigers that exist only in our imagination. So when we name the things we're afraid of and we say them out loud to God, when we hold them up to God in the light of day, many, many of our fears can be exposed for what they are and many of them can be overcome. And so that's what David does in the first part of, of Psalm 27. He assesses the risk. He considers those fears in the face of God who is his light and salvation and stronghold. And he begins to gain courage and to gain confidence. That leads to the second movement of the prayer in Psalm here, Psalm 27, is when we are afraid, we are to focus on God. Uh, he names his fears in the first part, but now he quickly shifts his focus from his fears, no matter how real they are, to God. Verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So instead of, of, of focusing on these images of soldiers sneaking into his camp and, and slitting his throat, he instead paints a mental picture of, of the tabernacle. He sees himself there with God's people, enjoying the beauty and power and love of God's presence. Verse 5, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon his, a rock. And David, again, is not in denial. He's not trying to wish away the anger, the danger. He's, he knows it's there, but he sees himself. He pictures himself lifted high, seated on a rock, established solidly in God's presence. Then my, verse 6, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. He shifts his focus away from the fear and toward God. If you've got kids, you remember when you, you taught them how to swim? You know, you, they're at the edge of the pool and they're scared. They don't want to jump in. Most there's a once in a while a, a, a rare personality just launches themselves in. But most kids are, are fearful for good reason. I mean, they don't know how to swim. Water could be dangerous. And so they, they won't jump in until mom and dad are in the water with them or standing there ready, holding out their arms, ready to jump in. But eventually 
They overcome their fears. They begin to swim on their own because they learn that mom and dad are there. They're nearby if they need them. And they can do this, and the fear weakens, and the fear doesn't get the best of them, and they begin to swim. That's what we as God's children, as believers, are to do. Instead of getting tensed up and getting paralyzed by fear, we are to, we are to lean into God. We are to jump toward God. And the reason for the fear may still be there, but we are to focus on our Father. Not on the fear, not on the circumstances that scare us, but rather on the Father who can see us through those circumstances. That's why prayer is so important. When we pray, our focus is shifted from our fears to God. We pray out loud. We get on our knees and we talk to our Father. We get on a piece of paper and we write down our, uh, the things that we're, uh, we're worried about and the things we need to pray about, and we write out our prayers. We direct our thoughts to the Father and who He is and the fact that He's always there for us, that He's good and loving. We read Scripture. We pray Scripture back to Him. Now, besides praying, another obvious and powerful way of focusing on God is, is that of worship. It's worshiping God when we're alone, yes, but it's also worshiping with his people. That's what David wants. He determines to sacrifice with shouts of joy, to sing and make music to the Lord. Again, maybe he's camping out in a military campaign or he's hiding in a cave running from his enemies. But in his heart, in his mind's eye, he's in worship. He's in the sanctuary. He's with God's people. We don't call this a sanctuary because nothing bad can ever happen to us here, do we? We call it a sanctuary because we become very aware of God's presence and love and grace and, uh, when we are in worship with his people. And so when we're afraid, one of the very best things we can do, along with prayer, is to, is to worship and to focus on the God who loves us and who is always there for us. In worship, God speaks to us and says, Be still and know that I am God. In worship, God speaks to us and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In worship, God speaks to us and says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, your precious and honored in my sight. So to overcome fear, we first have to name them and face them. Second, we need to fix our focus on God, not on our fears. And then thirdly, we are to choose to take the next step. Verse 8. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. He's ready to do what the Lord asks of him, to take the next step in obedience, even if it's scary and even if it's risky. Teach me your ways, he, he says, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Now, now, the fear is still there. It's still present at this part of the psalm. I mean, very few of us in, a, in the midst of a threatening situation are not going to feel any fear at all. David still has fear regarding his enemies. You can hear it in the last part of the, of the psalm. Do not hide your face from me. Don't reject me or forsake me. Do not turn me over to desire of my foes. He's not going to jump unless he can see his father's face. But as long as he can, he can face his fear. You know, I, I don't know what situation you might be facing this morning that causes you fear, but God is simply asking you to focus on him and to take the next step of obedience, to take a step toward him and to simply follow in the path that he lays out for you. Now, although we've been talking about fear this morning, ultimately this fear, this psalm is not about fear, it's about 
confidence, trust, and faith. Because this is how David ends it. Verse 13. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. And wait for the Lord. And so when we are afraid, we are to wait confidently for the Lord. But as we know, waiting is hard work. I don't like waiting. I don't know about you. I don't like waiting in line. I don't like waiting in traffic. I don't like waiting for for people to show up. But it's in waiting that God's strength and provision and presence are known. And so I thank God for waiting. One of my favorite illustrations that kind of illustrates this is from a book by Henri Nouwen called Sabbatical uh, Journeys. He writes about a family of, of, of trapeze artists that were friends of his called the Flying Rudellas. They told Nouwen there was a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer, of course, is the one that lets go, and the catcher is the one that catches. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when, when he or she must let go. And they arc into the air. And that person's job at that moment is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck them from the air. One of the flying rudellas told now, and the flyer must never, ever try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. When we're facing fear and we're praying and worshiping and taking the step that God directs, there will come a point when we will have to wait. And at that point, even though it feels like we're going to be overwhelmed and fall, even though fear may threaten us, we must wait. We must not try to catch the catcher. That's the catcher's job. That's, that's God's job. Our job is to wait, as King David did, in absolute trust, complete trust, knowing and believing that our God, our Father, is good and powerful and loving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for this day. We're grateful that you are God, uh, that you are a Father in whom we can completely trust, that you are always with us, that you love us completely and unconditionally, uh, that you have a will and a plan and purpose for our life that is good. And even though there are times when we are afraid uh, for legitimate reasons, even though there are times when we wonder what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we do believe and, and say that you are good, that we trust in you, and that we will wait patiently upon you. So Lord, help us to honor you in the midst of the fears that we experience. Help us to grow more in faith and trust and courage through Christ our Lord.